people, we stand in honor of the first reading of the word of God. So we give honor to the Lord. Amen. When his word is being spoken, we want to give reverence to his word. The Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And so we want to give great reverence to the Lord with our opening text this morning. Amen. For everything that has transpired here today, thank you so very much, church. Amen. All I want to do is serve the Lord and everything else that comes with it. I appreciate the Lord for what he's doing. And I thank God for every one of you that wants to serve the Lord as well. And you do what you do because you're serving the Lord. Amen. Always remember it's the Lord that you serve. You don't serve man. You don't serve people. You serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But that means that you serve people physically, but you do it unto the Lord. Amen. And when we do it unto the Lord, all sort of things will come back to us that may not be so pleasant and may not be the greatest things. But you don't worry about it because you know you did it unto the Lord. You did not do it unto people. And if you do it unto the Lord every time, you'll realize I can do all things. Mm. Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 1. Amen. I was supposed to give you a commercial, but I can't give you a commercial break. Maybe I can do it. Um, did we start recording on Facebook already? Yes, because I said the scriptures. All right. Amen. Well, they need to hear it on Facebook. Um, so I want to um, just touched on one announcement because it's one of the announcements that's near and dear to my heart, and that is our annual Christmas banquet. I love Christmas banquets. I love them. You get to get dressed up or come any way you want. So don't, you know, some people just love to get dressed up. And so if you're one that love to get dressed up, get dressed up on December the 13th. It's a Friday night. You don't want to be no place else on a Friday night, December the 13th, according to the world. Um, but among the people of God, with God being at the center. And we want to invite you to join us for our annual Christmas banquet at the Marriott um, out in, um, what's that? Um, Forstal. Amen. And so we want you to come. The tickets are $60. And I just want you to know, even if you think it's expensive, um, the, the, the meal for, per person costs way more than $60. The church will offset the rest of the cost, but you will pay $60 if you are from 13 and up. And if you are from 4 to 12, you will pay $30. But we want you to come. You'll have a great time. And you're going to enjoy yourself. This is probably one of the best opportunity for you to be a witness for Christ to your friends and your family. Because when people think church, they think this. And they tend to be uncomfortable being in this. But when you get them out where there is eating. what we, We've heard someone said, a pastor's wife long time ago said, food keep the stress down. So when you eat food with brethren or just with folks, things seem to be very comfortable. So that's a good time to let people see you outside of this kind of setting, and they usually appreciate you for who you are, because in this setting, we never really get to know one another. We come and, you know, we do the things of God and church things, but when we get into the banquet, we kind of have a good time. And so we want you to come. Please make um, arrangements to be there. We have to give the Marriott account um, um, very soon so they know how many people will be attending. I would love to have you there. Love for you to come and be with us. Invite friends. Invite neighbors. If someone that you've been inviting to church say, oh, you know, they haven't made it to church, we want you to make sure you invite them at this event and, and they'll enjoy themselves. And don't forget, see Sister Sylvia with your money. So if you want to know who to pay, Sister Sylvia, the lady um, that's taking care of the beef patty system over there, just see her and give her your money when you're ready to pay. Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 1, I greet my family and friends. I got a text message this morning um, of a family that said they couldn't make it, so they said they would tune in on Facebook, so I greet them in the name of Jesus. And for all those that may be on Facebook that's listening this morning, I greet you, and I hope today the Lord will speak to your heart and help you to grow and move forward in Him. Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 1 says, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. 
For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast in every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? Jesus, your word has already been established. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Today, Lord Jesus, we submit under your authority and we look to you, the author and finisher of our faith, to speak to our hearts, to help us from wherever we are, Lord. Will you help us to come out from where we are and become who you have chosen us to be before the foundation of this world? I pray right now, Lord, that the anointing of the Lord will flow freely and you will allow me to be in the flow of the anointing and the ear, the, the hearers today touch their hearing and let them hear what the Spirit is saying. I pray that you'll stir us and move us, O oh God, if you will, that we're able, Lord God, to be transformed, that we will be able to be converged. Oh God, we need a conversion to take place in our spirit. Will you speak to us and help us today for we will not fail to give you the praise, the honor, and all the glory that you so deserve. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Can everybody say amen? Will you clap your hands unto the Lord one more time before we're seated? Amen. You may be seated. Today I want to entitle the message, This Great Salvation. This Great Salvation. This Great Salvation. Audiovisual, go ahead. This great salvation. Our existence upon this earth usually consists of three different modes of means, or should I say three different modes or means as to how we approach life. These modes are Survival, comfort, and quality of life. Three modes of how we approach life. Survival, comfort, or quality of life. We are either doing what it takes to survive or living according to our own comfort or living the quality of life that we deserve. Every single person in this room is in one of those status. You're either, probably not this first one, but you're either in a place of trying to survive. I don't think anybody here is trying to survive. Or you're in a place of comfort. You're living comfortably according to what you desire and want. Or you are living a certain quality of life that you desire. All of us in this room are in one of those categories. You need to ask yourself, what category am I in? You're not in the category of surviving because survival is in some place where people wake up every day and they don't know where the next meal is coming from. They are surviving. But we here today are either living in comfort or we're living a quality of life that we so desire. The progression is we move out of survival mode into comfort mode and from comfort mode to quality of life mode. For some of us, if we came from a place where we were surviving and then we got to a place where we now became comfortable, then we're moving to the next level or next means of where we want to go, which is the quality of life. Because we spend so much time and energy pursuing survival, comfort, or quality of life, we end up neglecting the Word of God. To neglect the Word of God means to pay no attention or too little attention to the Word of God. 
To neglect the word of God means to disregard it or just make it like a slight. To disregard, to neglect the word of God means we become careless towards the word of God or we are negligent according to how we treat the word of God or we just don't regard the word of God. Because we're trying to survive. Because we're trying to make sure we stay in our comfort zone. Because we're trying to uh, maintain a certain quality of life. And as we pursue those things, we're, we're, we're not paying attention to the Word of God. We're, we're, we're neglecting the Word of God. But I thought I read somewhere in the Bible where the Word of God says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. But we have forgotten that because we're pursuing a, a life that is comfortable. We're pursuing a life that's saying, This is the quality of life I want to live. And we disregard or we neglect the word of God, which is the very thing that will help us to live a fulfilled and rich life, that will help us to live a life that will keep us until we meet Jesus. This great salvation is not just salvation, it's great salvation. Hebrews 2 and 1 that we read earlier, let me break it down for you and kind of just tell you what it's really saying in our terms. Uh, It's saying uh, that it is necessary that we pay more attention to the word of God that we have heard above everything else. So when we hear the word of God, we have to pay more attention to the word of God that we hear above everything else. And it doesn't matter if it's about your education. It doesn't matter if it's about your finances. It doesn't matter if it's about your children. It doesn't matter if it's about your relationship status. What God is trying to tell us, the word of God is life and the word of God is true and above everything else, we have to pay more attention to the word than anything else that we hear. Every time we hear or read the word of God, we must attend to it. We got to pay attention to it. Oftentimes we're hearing the preached word. Oftentimes we're reading the written word and, and we're not attending to it. It just sounds good. Or we just do what we do of hearing it or reading it and, and, and feel like, okay, I've done what I'm supposed to do. I'm responsible to read God's word. I'm responsible to hear God's word. But that's kind of where we leave it. We just, just hear it or read it and we just keep on moving. But God is coming to tell you today that you got to pay more attention to his word than anything else that you pay attention to. He's not telling you not to pay attention to your relationship. He's not telling you not to pay attention to your children and to your family and to your job and to your home life. He's telling you to pay attention to those, but he's saying above those things pay attention to my word. He don't want you to neglect the important things, but he's saying above all the important Important things. My word is more important than those things. Because this word is life. Mm-hmm. 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 I know oftentimes we hear the word or we read the word and we're interested in the word of God when we hear it or when we read it because, but, but because we don't act on it. We don't, we don't begin to meditate on it and pay attention to it immediately when we hear it and not pay attention to it. Guess what happens? The Bible called it slips away. How many times you heard something in church? And maybe because you didn't write it down, you walk out of the building and you're out front talking 
and you're trying to recall it because now you need to think about that word and says, how do I apply this word to my life? And you can't think of it. How many times you've been to church uh, and somebody said, well, what did the preacher preach? And you said, um, uh, it was really good. Uh, it made sense. And you're trying to recall it, but you couldn't recall it uh, because what happens a lot of times is uh, the cares of life will get us. Uh, what happens a lot of times is uh, whenever we don't pay attention to it, uh, immediately it will slip us. It will escape us and we will find ourselves trying to recall it I know the Holy Ghost said the Bible says the Holy Ghost will help you recall it but I don't know if that's how it works my, 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 my quest is to know God more and more that's what my quest is in life and so I try to study God more than try to study uh, everything about his word because when I learn who he is I will always know the the perspective or the standpoint or the position where he's coming from when he's speaking to us. And the Holy Ghost will recall what we, what, what, what we have read and what we've heard, but I think that's after we've paid it attention and we've handled it and do something with it, then when we put it down later on when we need it, he will bring it back to our memory. But if when we first receive it, we just ignore it, I believe that it's going to slip us. And yes, he will give you a chance because he's a loving God and he's a merciful God. He will give you a chance again to hear it and to deal with it. But sooner or later, when will it just all slip you. You can't relate. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sometimes the cares of life because we're trying to survive. The cares of life because we're trying to live comfortably. The cares of life because we're trying to establish a quality of living. Those things just consume us and we can't pay enough attention to the word of God. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 2, we read it earlier. It says, there is, a re- there is a reward for those who obey and disobey God's word. Reward. The Bible sometimes makes you chuckle the way how it's written. Those who believe God and obey God will receive a reward. Those who hear God's word and reject God's word or just don't do anything about God's word you will receive a reward. And the Bible call it a just reward. So whether we consider, whether, whether it's what, a, what we would consider bad or good, it doesn't matter. The Bible call it a just reward. Because if you didn't pay attention to it, whatever you get, that's what you deserve. <laughs> Listen, there's a scripture that says, my people are destroyed. For lack of knowledge. It's not lack of knowledge because he didn't give it to you. It's lack of knowledge because when he gave it to you, you ignored it. It's lack of knowledge because when it came to you, you were doing something else. It's lack of knowledge because you didn't do something with it. And so you don't have what you need. And so we begin to be be destroyed and we begin to perish because we don't know what to do. The word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. The word tells you where you should go. The word tells you what you should do. But if it slips you and you don't have it, uh, then when things begin to happen, uh, you won't know what to do. So we're going to get a just reward, whichever way you go. You ever thought about this? The Bible says the wages of sin. The Bible is slick. Wages? Why are you using the word wages? Because when I think wages, I'm thinking money, so, you know, paychecks. Put something in my pocket. And the Lord says, the wages of sin is death. I said, oh, man. It's, just make, it's making you know it's something that you earned. When you work and you get your paycheck, you earn that. Well, when we sinned and, and things begin to go wrong in our life, we earned it. This is why the Bible says the wages of sin. Hmm. Let's go down to our key verse here today, our verse that we'll focus on for the next few minutes before we finish out here. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 3 says, how shall we escape? Again, another key word the Bible is using, escape. Why escape? You know what I mean? Why escape? 
what does that word escape means? It means to flee out or to run out. So when you think of escape, it means that you got away from something. Uh-huh. You got away. Oh, my goodness. I got away. I escaped it. Woo. That's good. Woo. Almost got me. But I escaped it. And so the Bible says, how shall we escape? Hmm. It's a pretty interesting word right there. How shall we escape? Can I tell you this? Nobody can escape the judgment of God according to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. We can't escape the judgment of God. The word of God is so interesting to me. So if you go in 1 Corinthians and you look at what it talked about, about not being able to escape the judgment of God. I'm paraphrasing it. When you get a chance to look at it, look at it. But I'm par- you can't escape the judgment of God because God is the one that's bringing the judgment. And nobody can escape him because he's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's all present. And you can't escape him. You know, sometimes we do things that we know is not right and we negotiate in our minds saying, well, God is loving, God is merciful, God is kind, and all these attributes of God. And so we figure, eh, eh, this is not too bad. I'm not even killing anybody anyway, so eh, I'm sure God can just look the other way on this one or God will just, he, he, he can't do that. He can't. Change. The Bible says, I change not. So whatever his position is, that's what it is. He can't change. So this is why his mercy works so great for us is because he knows I change not, but I'll show you mercy. And what that usually means, sometimes we miss it and don't really realize it. What it usually means when God shows us mercy, it usually means we're in trouble. And we cause the trouble that we're in. But he's being merciful that the trouble don't destroy us. Because if he just don't be merciful, oh, that trouble will eat you up and you'll be destroyed and you won't know what hit you. So God is so good. He told Adam and Eve, the soul that sinned shall surely die. In the garden, the soul that sinned shall surely die. What did, what did Adam do in the garden? He sinned. Why didn't he die? God's mercy. I like the Lord just got it all kind of figured out. (laughs) He knows what he's doing. But the good news is, or maybe not so good news for many of us is, yes, God has mercy and he will show us mercy, but we still have to do something to receive his mercy. That's where I think the world get twisted or we get twisted or people get twisted is we think mercy and love mean We don't have to do anything. You got quiet. Mm -hmm. Mercy and love don't mean we don't have to do something. We will always have to do something. Remember this. We're in relationship with God. God is not the genie in the bottle. God is not our handyman. God is not our pool boy. God is not the one that just says, I'm here, just tell me what you need. That's, that, we, we might have the wrong concept of who God is. God is about relationship. <laughs> and because he's about relationship and the author of relationship, he understands relationship. And in case we don't understand relationship, relationship is back and forth. It's not one way. So let me step on some of your toes. How many of you all have been in one way relationship and after a while you say, I got to get out of here. So some of you have been in that situation where you were the one that was doing everything. Because the ones that never do anything, they don't know that they're not doing anything. They're just eating it up, enjoying life like life is great and the other person just miserable because they're doing everything. So the, so the person that, 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 that does everything and never feel like nothing is coming back their way is the ones that's like, I, I can't keep doing this. And you had enough sense to say, 
even if you didn't get out, you had enough sense to recognize this is not good for me. This is not healthy. But guess what we doing? We do that to Jesus. Uh-huh. We, we sit back and we don't want to do nothing more than just ah, go to church every once in a while. And we want Jesus to do everything else. What kind of relationship is that? You, you think he's going to condone that relationship? No, because he want to be loved too. And so nobody don't want to be in a relationship where they're, they feel like they're giving love and not receiving love. So Jesus expects for us to show him love. Just like he has shown us love and continue to show us love. He needs that back and forth. So if you find yourself just waiting for him to do stuff, let me tell you now, that's not a good, healthy relationship. Uh huh. You got quiet on me when I started talking relationship. You know what that means? I, I keep trying to tell y'all you got to trick the preacher. But y'all won't trick the preacher. This, you trick the preacher by when the preacher starts talking about your business, you start getting loud. Yeah, preacher, talking about it, talk about it. Yeah, preacher. When you do that, nobody knows it's you. They think that you all perfect and your life is great, so the preacher must be talking about somebody else. But when you all get quiet, the preacher said, man, all y'all struggling in relationship around here. I'm just telling you how it go. So I just let you in on the secret. So, so, so right now I'm telling you, a lot of struggles going on in the relationship area. And can I tell you a heavier one than that? It's going on because this one is a problem. When this one is good, I can handle anything. When this one is good, you good to go. People can treat you bad when this one is good, you can handle it. As soon as this one get a little shaky, you can, you're not taking no mess from nobody. This is why we don't have good relationships because most of the time this is not good. And when the flaky person you're with is acting flaky and this ain't good, you coming out your face right away. Oh, no. Oh, you must be crazy. Oh, I'm not taking that. But when this is good... You smile. What Brother Scarlett? Brother Scarlett, yeah. Brother Scarlett, what they do? They smile. You smile? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so when it's good, you smile. And just kind of, all right, I'm waiting on the Lord. <laughs> I know the Lord will help me to handle this. And that's kind of how you do when this is good. But when this ain't good, man, you lose it. You snap. So if we're going to make the relationships in our life right, forget about the other person. Can I tell you a secret? Oh, man. I don't know why sometimes I go down certain roads. But I'm going to help you. I thought about this the other day. When you're going to make a big decision, think about it this way. Because our world is not teaching this. But I, I believe the Lord put this in my heart the other day. When you're getting ready to make a big decision, ask yourself this question. Who will be happy from the decision that I'm making and who will be sad? How many people will be happy with this decision and how many will be sad? Let me give you an example of what I'm trying to tell you. Some of the decisions that we're going to make is going to make other people's life difficult. It's going to make other people's life not good. And you know what we say? Whatever, because we got to survive, or we gonna be we got to be comfortable, or we got to have a certain quality of life. So you know what we say? I'm just not happy. You're making decisions. This is the Lord put it in my heart the other day. We're making decisions for just us. When if we don't make that decision, ten people will be happy. I've reserved to the point, Brother Kellerman, of understanding this. If I'm dealing with a situation that's difficult for me. But if 10 people are okay and doing well, and if I change the decision I'm doing, I'm the only one that's going to be okay, I'm not making that decision. <laughs> Y'all don't want to mess with this preacher this morning. Because what you're being taught is you got to make sure you look out for number one. That's what you're being taught. You're being taught that, hey, if nobody don't worry about you, you got to worry about yourself. 
but what about Jesus worrying about you? I thought Jesus says, give no thought on what you may eat or drink or what you should wear, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I thought Jesus had our back. I thought Jesus is taking care of us. Why are we worrying about everybody else taking care of us when Jesus said he will take care of us? So you see how stupid the decision is now to decide, I just can't take this no more. Y'all don't want to touch this today. I can't help that because that, 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 that just rattled me this week. The Lord just moved me on that one to say, son, look at this. People are making decisions to make one person happy. When 15 people can be happy, 15 people can benefit, but they make a decision just so they can be happy. And Jesus, he went to the cross. When he went to Gethsemane, he said, Father, if this cup can pass from me, he could have been happy by backing out. Oh, you don't want to hear that? That's who I learned this from. He could have decided going to the cross is too hard. I got to I gotta please me. I got to survive. I got to be comfortable. I got to have a certain quality of life. I can't go to the cross. I can't do that. No way. I got to go do my own thing. He would have been fine. Where would we be? He would have been fine. He wouldn't have got no scars on his back. He wouldn't have got no crown of thorn on his head. He wouldn't have been spat upon. He wouldn't have been mistreated. He would have been all good and all fine. But where would the rest of the world be? So he teach me, he taught me something about decision making. If it's only going to make you happy, you better watch yourself. You better watch yourself. Somebody hear me today. Something the Holy Ghost must be dealing with something in here. Somebody on the verge of making some kind of decision. And God want me to talk to you this morning. Hear from the word of the Lord that you can't make that decision because it's only making you happy. you got to make a decision where others will be happy. Mm. Mm. Somebody need to thank God this morning. Somebody need to trust God this morning that he's speaking to your heart. That that, that you could have went ahead and make a decision. Uh, because you would have made that decision uh, in five years from now. Uh, you could have made that decision in two years from now. Uh, your life would have been such a mess. Uh, your life would have been so messed up. Uh, but God is telling me to tell you this morning. Uh, don't make that decision just so you... Oh, help me today. Father, help us today. Oh, that the Spirit of the Lord, oh God, will move on us in that Lord. Uh, we will hear the Word of God. Uh, you told us to give heed to what we have heard. Uh, the Word of God above all things. Now, Lord, as the Word is being spoken, uh, as your Word is being proclaimed, uh, I pray that somebody will take heed uh, above everything else in their life uh, and say, okay, God, uh, I hear you. Uh, I will not make that decision just so I can be comfortable. I will not make that decision uh, just so I can have the quality of life I desire. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. God says he is your present help. Oh, you got to trust him. This is what it's about. He said if you trust him, he will make a way out of no way. But if you make your own decision, if you make your own way, you will make a decision to destroy your life. Don't do it. I'm not trying to scare you. But here is something. I follow this trend in my life. Stand over here. I follow this trend in my life, and it's scaring me. Since I've been living for the Lord, I've had a handful of people that I've told about Jesus multiple times and try to teach about Jesus multiple times, and they rejected it, and not long after they died. Years ago, I knocked on a guy's door in Hamilton, and... I knocked on his door. He came to the door. I said, hey, man, I'm from a local church. I just want to talk to you about Jesus. 
oh, bro, I'm not into that stuff. And as I'm talking to him, I said, you look like Brother Calvin. You, look, you know Calvin Cook? He said, yeah, that's my cousin. I said, okay, y'all look alike. I said, what's your name? He says, Bernard. I said, well, my name is Wayne. And we shot, we shot the breeze a little bit, talked about it. I said, Bernard, it's not what you think, blah, blah, blah. I went through it. And so every time I go witnessing in that community, I would go knock on his door. Bernard, it's Wayne. How are you, man? Hey, man, I'm still here. You know, he had a little son. I said, what's up, man? He had a wife, talked to her, and blah, 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 blah. I said, hey, one Sunday was All Nation Sunday years ago. I said, won't you come to All Nation Sunday? He came, him and his wife and his kid, and they sat, and before service was over, made a left turn out of there. The other day, um, Karen, Calvin's wife, said, no, 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 I was talking to Calvin first. And Calvin says, hey, man, I got a funeral to go to. I said, really? He said, yeah, one of my um, people's died. I said, oh, man, sorry to hear that. I, and, and all of a sudden, the Lord bring back to my um, mind, ask him about Bernard. I said, is it Bernard? He said, yeah, how you know? I said, I don't even want to talk about it. I don't even want to talk about it. Because he's not the first one that I had this experience with. I can't stop telling people about Jesus. I'm never going to stop doing that. But I just got to tell people nowadays, when you hear me pressing a point about something about the Lord, please take heed. Please take heed. I don't know what's getting ready to happen, but the Lord is not just having me just throw it out and just, just you know, however it landed, land. Something is happening. And God is telling me to tell somebody in here today, don't make a decision just to make you happy. Tough it out. Work through it. He will be your comforter because he is your comforter. He will be your help. He will be your shield and your buckler. He will be your provider. And maybe you won't always be comfortable. Maybe you won't have the quality of life you desire. But guess what? When you follow him, there's a rainbow at the end of the tunnel. There's blessings that's waiting for you you might be uncomfortable in it but trust ye the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path the only way to escape trouble is if Jesus made the way. That's another deception we probably live in by. Thinking somehow we're going to get out of something. You don't get out unless the Lord take you out. Remember he says, how can you escape? So it just means that you can't escape no trouble that you're facing. Except for the Lord help you to escape it. Nobody else can get you out of it. You can't get yourself out of it. The preacher can't get you out of it. I don't care. Your praying grandmother, your praying grandfather, your neighbor. Nobody gets you out of your situation but Jesus. And sometimes he don't get you out. Sometimes he said, no, stay in there. I need you to learn something. Walk through that fire so you can learn something. <laughs> Walk through that mud so you can learn something. Sometimes he just lets you go through it. He says, I got you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. God will never leave you nor forsake you. But sometimes you got to go through it because he will take you through so you can learn something. This great salvation. There is no escaping your just reward if you neglect this great salvation. To neglect the word of the, the, the word means to pay no attention to or pay little attention to or to disregard slight. We talk about this to be careless. Negligent, no regard. That's what we do when we neglect the word of God. We all need this great salvation. So what is salvation? You hear it all the time. What is salvation? Salvation is to be rescued. One of the definitions, to be rescued. 
Another definition of salvation is to be saved. Another meaning is deliverance. Another one, being delivered. This is the one I like the best. Being delivered from something unto something. If God is taking you out of trouble, he's bringing you into safety. But unfortunately, we're so shallow in our thinking a lot of times, we just want to get out of the trouble. We're not considering where we're going. I don't care about where you put it. I don't care about all. I just need to get out of this right now. And so that's how come a lot of us are not experiencing the salvation of the Lord. Because we were only focused on getting out of the situation that we're in. But we're not thinking about being safe. We're not thinking about being saved. We're not thinking about being protected. All we know is the situation that I'm in is going to destroy me and I need saving from it. But salvation is being saved from something unto something. Yes. Liberation and healing as well as to escape from hell. And the only way we can escape hell is by Jesus Christ. Listen to me. What I say all the time. Some people don't want to believe that, that there's, there's a real hell. I know we don't. And you don't hear preachers talk about hell a whole lot. But I'm going to tell you this. Hell is real. But here's what I'm going to tell you very smart and intelligent people. If you don't believe hell is real. If it's really real. When you find out that it's real. That's going to be too late. Are you willing to roll the dice on that? Hell, it can't be real. That's just a figment of your imagination. Oh, please. Nobody ever told me about hell. Nobody ever came back and described hell. You, you can keep saying all of that. But the only way you will know if that's true is when you die and you find out that there's a real hell. And the problem with that is you can't escape that. Too late. That's the problem with that. So I've decided to try to stay intelligent. And I've decided that I'm going to live like there is a hell. I've decided I'm just going to live like there's a hell. And guess what? And if I die and there's not a hell, what did I lose? What did I lose? Okay. So that's, that's how I've decided to handle this thing. Let me just live like there is a hell. Because if there isn't a hell, well, I'm okay. But if there is a hell, I escaped it. Woo! Help me, Jesus. Somebody hear me today. We have to understand what salvation is. Here is a good, good demonstration of salvation. Exodus chapter 14, verse 11. A great demonstration of salvation. I love this text. Exodus chapter 14, verse 11 says, And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? That's what y'all said when y'all come to church and the preachers start telling y'all stuff. Oh, no, I can't miss a church. That's just too much stuff that they talking about. That's what y'all say when y'all come to church. That's too much stuff going on. I can't keep up with church. Okay, I hear you. Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptian. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptian than we should die in the wilderness. Let me translate for you. Let me just be a slave to smoking. Let me just be a slave to drinking. Let me just be a slave to cussing. Let me just be a slave to living, um, what they call it, old school call it, shacking up. Let me just be a slave to just doing what I want to do. 
Let me just be. I just want to live my life. That's what the Egyptian was saying back then. Just leave us alone. We'll serve the Egyptian. Whatever the Egyptians want from us, I'm okay with it. I just want to just, I just, I don't want to get all involved with all that stuff you all talking about. That's what was going on here. We'll, 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 we'll do it. We'll, 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 we'll be slaves to the Egyptians. Which in turn today is we'll be a slave to all the popular things of this world. All the trends of this world. We're just going to do whatever the world, whatever the world comes up with, we'll just do it. That's what the Egyptians would say. Y'all thought y'all just came up with that. YOLO. Y'all thought y'all came up with YOLO. Please, the Egyptians had YOLO going on way back in the day. We're just going to live how we like to live. And God just got to accept it. So here we go. Verse number 13. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. You don't have to go home today without receiving the salvation of the Lord. If the Lord is knocking at your door and you would just open it and let him in, you can go home today with the salvation of the Lord. And so, Moses told them, today, for the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. That's salvation right there. I remember, I'm going to finish up in a few minutes. Let me tell you the story. I remember I was teaching in the Mercer County Correction Center. I'm teaching. And I had a guy sitting in the jail for a long time, not because he should be there, but because he wouldn't say what actually happened. And he was part of the gang, and he wouldn't say what would actually happen. So after a while, I said, yo, Roberto, what's the problem here? Well, you know, I don't want to say anything, and other people are going to get in trouble, and you know, so... Here's what, I, here's what one day I went and the Lord told me to tell him. And this is how the Lord called him out. The Lord called him out like this. I said, Roberto, you know why you won't say it? Because you plan to get out of here and go back to doing what you used to do. Because the salvation of the Lord, these Egyptians you see today, you will see no more. If you decide to live for God the right way, I don't care what gang you belong to. I don't care what situation. Can we say it? Can we say it? I don't care what situation you're in. The only way to escape anything is by Jesus. And when you say, Jesus, I'm tired of living in the streets. Jesus, I'm tired of being in a gang. Jesus, I'm tired of being a smoker. Jesus, I'm tired of living this life. And guess what? When he snatched you out of here, the situation and all that you've been through, you will see no more. I said, Roberto, if you sincerely make up your mind today in this cell to live for God, they can't touch you. But if you want to go back and go mingle, then you have all right to not say nothing. Left it at that. Little after that, he was moved to another tier. I was like, go ahead. Move. And when he went to the other tier, he was sending a message. Tell Pastor Wayne, I ain't coming. God ain't bringing me that way because... Here, here's how I live my life as a Christian. Now, I'm, I'm trying to get there. Once I realize, I can't do that. Can't. God is funny. God is funny. God is funny, D. So here's how it works. All my life witnessing the people telling them about Christ. Once I realize you're not interested, says Arabia, I'm out. I'm going to love you, but I'm out. I'm not wasting time on you. Why? Because there's somebody over there that really want it. And I learned that years ago. So if I'm telling you about Jesus and you're playing around, I'm like, okay, I love you, but you won't see me no more. Because somebody over there is saying, I need to know something about salvation. Somebody over there is saying, can somebody point me in the right direction? I can't waste time on you when you don't want it. (laughs) 
And so Lord, the Lord's sense of humor is, you can't run now, Wayne. You're you, you going to stay in that church, and whether they want it or they don't want it, you're going to stay right there and keep ministering. <laughs> God's got a funny sense of humor. I don't have nowhere to go. This is why we're here for the long haul. We locking arms together. We're going to get this done because if you don't want it, I got to keep on trying to get you to get it. <laughs> I won't leave you stranded. If he won't leave you nor forsake you, I won't leave you nor forsake you. I'll be here. You'll probably ignore me sometime, but I'll be here for you. Tell my girls that. I told them that this morning. I said, I'm going to be here no matter what. Just come on. Bring some company. <laughs> so that's probably one of the best demonstrations of salvation that I can show you. We know in order to execute salvation, to execute salvation, the scripture says in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God had made that same Jesus whom you crucified, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Let me say this because I'm finishing up here. Until you understand that God, who is transcendent, became a human being and still remained being God. Until you understand that, it's going to be hard for you to have salvation. Why you say that, preacher? Because you can't really describe how can a transcendent being that's not seeable, you can't see him. How can that transcendent being who the whole universe fits in him, how can that transcendent being become a human? You can't explain that. Neither can I. Now, I can give you the biblical explanation, but it still won't make sense. But until you understand that that is true, you really won't have salvation because you'll continue to question, question things. But when you understand a transcendent God became a human being and still remained God, then you're like, I don't have to question anything. Because if he can do that, what can't he do? When you understand that when, when, when his flesh died and he rose up that flesh and ascended, when you understand all those things, then you say, oh, I can trust him to be my God. I can roll with him. I'm good with him. But too many people follow the formula to be converted and never know the God of the conversion. You want to know the God of the conversion. You want to understand the God of the conversion. And so it says, let all the house of Israel know that God had made the same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent. And be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ with a remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Listen, I can't help this. I wish um, I had more time, but I'm, I'll slide everything in. Florence, this is Florence, everybody. She's shy, so she probably don't even want me to do this. But this is Florence. Florence um, attended another church before she came here because she lived way up North Jersey. And that church practice baptism in the titles Father, Son, Holy Ghost. And so Florence and I had a really extensive, great conversation yesterday, and I showed her in the scriptures that no one has ever been baptized in those titles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, even though people are baptizing people in those titles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. I said, Florence, and she's very smart, very intelligent, know the Bible. I said, Florence, can you show me where? You, you read that someone was submerged underwater and the name of Jesus Christ was, and, and I'm sorry, and the title's Father, Son, Holy Ghost was pronounced over them. I said, can you show me that? She couldn't show it to me. Then I showed her in Acts chapter 19 where Paul met some disciples, disciples keyword, and he asked them about have they received the Holy Ghost since they believed. They said, we haven't even heard of there be any Holy Ghost. He said, then how were you baptized? They said, unto John's baptism. Then Paul explained to them the proper baptism. And then they said, no problem, Paul. We will get rebaptized. 
And Florence with her meek self yesterday says, that's what it says. That's what I got to do. No problems. Because when your heart is right and you're sincere about God, if it's there and you see it, you said, what's there to talk about? This is what the word of God says. That's when your heart is right. When we start arguing about the word of God, I don't mean to step on your toes, but sorry. It means something is not right right here. It could simply just mean you just want to do what you want to do. It could simply just mean the person that told you about baptism, they were like an idol to you, so you don't want to disappoint them. It could be a lot of little things. But the bottom line is, if you're sincere about pleasing God and doing what he wants, if you see it in the scripture... What's there to argue about? That goes for me too. I could be preaching as long as I want. If I see it in the scriptures and it says what it says, then I need to just go along with it. And if I start trying to deflect and trying to, then I got a problem. Because the word of God is the word of God. It cannot be broken. The Bible said the scriptures cannot be broken. If it's there, it's there. So I'll challenge all of you. Find somebody in the Bible that was baptized in the titles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. When you find it, I'll give you $100. And, and, and I said it in front of God and all the witnesses. So if you find it, I will have to give you the 100 Uh-huh. Verse 41 in that same text says, Then they that gladly received the word were baptized, and the same day they were added unto the... Unto them about 3,000 souls. In Acts chapter 4 verse 12, the scripture says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no other name that can save you but the name of Jesus. The Father can't save you. The Son can't save you. The Holy Ghost can't save you. Listen to me. Because Jesus is doing the saving. So you know, Brother Kellerman, you know the little explanation we normally do with the check. I said, Florence, if somebody come into the bank, she's the supervisor of the bank. It just worked out perfect. I said, Florence, if someone come in the bank with a check from me and I got on it, Father, can you cash it, Florence? She said, oh, no. I said, what if I put son on it, Florence? Can you cash it? No. What about Holy Ghost? She said, no. She said, you need your name on it. She worked at the bank many years. She know what the bank requires. You can't cash it if the name ain't on it. You can't cast out no devil in father. You can't cast out no devil in son or cast out no devil in all. You got to use the name. It is the authority. It is the power. It is what gets it done. The name of Jesus. Let's stand. Got too much going on here. This great salvation. And so, I end with this text, Titus chapter 2. I've talked to you about what, if you don't have salvation, what you need to do to get salvation. Now, let me talk to you all that's been in church for a long time. And you have fulfilled the conversion process. You have fulfilled the conversion process, but now you have to live a saved life. Uh-oh, I lost you. I lost you. You, 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 can, you can be converted and not be saved. You can be converted and not be saved. What does it take to be converted? Understand that Jesus Christ is God. And that he came into this world and died for your sins. So you understand that he is the only one, the true and only living God. When you understand that, then you repent of your sins. Then you get baptized in water for the remission of sins. In the name of Jesus, he fills you with his spirit by evidence of speaking another tongue. That is a conversion process. But you can still not be saved. So in Titus chapter 2, verse number 11. The Bible says, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation had appeared 
Oh, oh, oh. You can say whatever you want. I believe the word. So you can tell me all you want. Oh, I've never been exposed to salvation. Well, guess what? If you were here today, (laughs) you've been exposed to salvation. All right. I don't know where you've been before today, but today you've been exposed to salvation. Can I tell you this? In Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 20, verse 26 through 39, I don't know if you know the story, Tone, an Ethiopian eunuch was riding back from Jerusalem in the desert, desert, and God sent a man in the desert to get him the gospel. And then the other miracle is somehow water in the desert, and he got baptized. You ain't got no excuses. Salvation will come to everybody. The grace of God will bring salvation to everyone. You just got to decide what you're going to do with it. This is why it's so great a salvation. Because God is so good that he makes sure every person receive the opportunity for salvation. It has appeared to all men. Uh huh. Teaching us. That denying ungodliness, so this is how we live safe. We have to deny ungodliness. Everything that's anti-God, we got to deny it. Everything that, that, that's a worldly lust, lusting after things in our world, got to deny that. Then we have to have a sound mind, sound mind, sound mind. You can't have your mind all messed up, sound mind. That's what it means by sober. Then we have to be righteous, meaning Obeying God's word because he's the only righteous one and the way we become righteous is by obeying him. Then we have to live godly in the present world. And what else we got to do? Looking for that blessed hope. So in order to live safe, you got to do those things and then start looking for Jesus. If you wake up every day looking for Jesus, what's the chances of you slipping? Or letting the word slip you. It's not really easy for the word to slip you or for you to slip. If every day you get up, you're saying, I'm looking for the blessed hope. I'm looking for Jesus. I'm waiting for Jesus. I know he said he will come again. I'm waiting for Jesus. If every day we wake up and say, I'm waiting for Jesus, what would happen? How would we live? The blessed hope and the glorious appearing Of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us. Every time I see that, I say, what's our problem? Every time I read he gave himself for us, I say, what's our problem? Did I miss something? He gave himself. And it wasn't easy. Who gave himself for us? That he might redeem us from all iniquity. Now, that word redeem is pretty interesting because... He has done some redemption to this point. But redemption is not complete until we make it to heaven. Uh Uh-huh. From all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. Now, why are we trying to look like everybody else? When God says we are a peculiar people, meaning we're going to, if you want to be technical, it means we're going to be weird. To the rest of the world. So when you're trying to fit in with, with, with all the world and think that, that that's what makes you godly, well, you know, we, we, we have to, you know, be normal. No, God says you're supposed to be peculiar. You're supposed to be weird. You're supposed to be different. That's what God said. So if you're just living your life to look like everybody else, okay, then you're not like kind of following God. Uh-huh. Every religion has some truth. They all don't have the whole truth, but every religion has some truth. So that's why you could look at a Muslim woman and say, why she got all that stuff on her? She's trying to be peculiar. When you look at the Jewish people and you say, what's going on with them? They're trying to be peculiar because every those religions understand their God said they must be peculiar, different. Now, that's some truth that they got. So whatever they're doing to try to be different, that's what they're trying to do. What's our problem? 
Why do we feel like we got to look like everybody else? Why do we feel like we got to fit in with the rest of the world when God says, you are peculiar, you're different. When people see, they need to see you and say, woo, that person got it different. What are we trying to do? We have a great salvation. And we need to eat it up and enjoy it. We have a great salvation and we need to live our life like we really are living free. We really are living, looking forward to the great appearing of our God, Jesus Christ. We need to live our life like that and stop worrying about everything else. Nothing to worry about. Just follow him. Do what his word says. And we will live in that great salvation. You are privileged. We are privileged to have this great salvation. And we need to live like it. We, we can't be living like, oh, you know, woe is me because we're worried about what everybody else is doing. I'm not going to be like what the scripture said those Jews was like. Let me go back and serve the Egyptian. No, I'm not going back to smoke no weed. No, I'm not going back to go drink no beer. No, I'm not going back to go to no club. No, I'm not going back. It's not all that great. I laugh at all the people my age still trying to hold on to that life. Back then when they were young, they can drink a half a dozen beer and a couple of shots. They were still good to go. Now they drink a half glass of wine and they drunk, but they want to go back to that life. Man, they drive me crazy. Like, what's wrong with y'all? Get it together. Just live for God and enjoy what God has for you because you, you, you haven't even explored you got to realize, if you live to any kind of age, you probably have explored the whole world. Because it, it doesn't take long to explore the world. It's just that quality of life. Oh, y'all don't want to listen. Quality of life may change, but you all have experienced everything this world has to offer. All of you that's an adult. You already did. The only thing you're pursuing if you're not in the church is a different quality of the world. But it's the same thing. Just trying to step it up to another level, but it's the same thing. So you can keep on saying, I'm in the work. It's the same thing. And you'll realize whatever you do that you think is new, it's the same thing. Uh-huh. So, so, so when I, when, when I first started out drinking, I was drinking cheap liquor. But then as I moved up, as I got older, I started drinking expensive liquor. You know, I told y'all all the time, I used to drink single malt scotch, and none of you in here probably ever tasted any single malt scotch, especially the ones that I drank, because it's a step up. Yeah, I know y'all know. You can never get to that level there. Can't touch single malt scotch. And it was always like a 21-year-old or, or, or a 28-year-old single malt scotch, McAllen or something. One little snifter shot with no ice. They didn't drink it with ice. The, the, the club that I roll with, the, we don't drink it with ice. One, probably today, one shot of that probably costs $45. Because all it came down to is quality of life. But it's the same thing. I'm still drinking. Still drinking. Still getting drunk. Just getting drunk off something different. I'm just telling you, the world, you have experienced everything it has to offer. Leave it alone. It can't profit you nothing else. Give your life to Jesus and just experience this great salvation. I love this salvation. I love what God does for us. I love what we live for and look forward to all the great things God has in store. Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word today. There is none like you. Great is your faithfulness, almighty God. This great salvation, oh God, that you have revealed to us by your grace. Lord, we're so grateful. We're indebted to you. And Lord, we look forward to this great life that you have given to us. Lord, we don't look back with any regrets. We don't look back, Lord God, for any reasons because what is before us is greater than all that is behind